0: All right, so if we can sing, then we can give God a shout, hey? So you remember, you remember this is a very city, I don't think I'd seen this before coming to City Church, actually. Uh, It's something Pastor Jason loves to do before he does a preach, he likes to get everybody to shout together in unity. Uh, Will you do it with me today before we do a preach? Shout out your last little bit of um, walls. And then we can let God's word do its work. All right, let's do it. Three, two, one. Jesus! Woo! We love you, Lord. Jesus! Thank you, Father, for giving us voices, Father. Thank you, Lord, for the easing of restrictions, Father, and for what you're doing, Father, behind the scenes, Lord. We trust you, God. We love you, Lord. Thank you for your words, Father, and may we take that very seriously now, Lord, as we as we listen in to what you've been speaking to the spirit of this church, Father, and your spirit is here with us moving, Father. Let it touch us today. Let it touch our hearts today. Amen. All right, grab a seat. I've been trying something new um, in the way that I prepare sermons and kind of incorporating a bit more of my giftings into the process. So, I, like... Uh, i 've been working long story short i 've been working from um artworks um and kind of using that gift of creativity god 's given me and then writing from that place so i 'm going to put up an artwork first there it is it 's probably hard to see from where you are i 'll just read some stuff about it and then it might give you a better sense so since the since the pandemic began i've i 've been dreaming of tidal waves. And I, I, I grew up on the coast. I grew up in Kiama Downs. And, uh, but I'd never actually dreamt of waves before until the pandemic began. And I've since learned that it's a common archetype of prophets. And on the Australian Prophetic Network, many people have been dreaming of waves since COVID began. During one such dream, a fearsome wave... It rose up over the land and over my very head. It was like a canopy, if you can imagine it. It's like the roof of the ceiling, like the wave came all the way up and over. You could look up and just see it all. And it was like in those moments when you sense doom. Uh, I'm a terrible swimmer, so <laughs> more doom for some than others. You know, some of you would be all right, I'm sure. But it's, it's, it was almost like in that moment, The air thickened, my body kind of braced itself ready for what I knew was coming. And yet that eerily still moment in the dappled shadow of the wave, it just seemed to stretch on and on and on. I breathed deep and held my breath and I climbed up and I climbed into the wave. Rather than the wave coming down upon me, I actually climbed up and into it. I embraced it, I surrendered to the rush, I joined with the wave. Now, layered within this image as well is a meditation on Israel's dream. I'm just going to give an overview of this image, then I'm going to move to something different. It's a meditation on Israel's dream. When I say Israel, I mean Jacob, renamed to Israel. Hopefully, you're familiar with these terms. God's people were known as Israel after him. He had a dream that angels descended on a ladder or a staircase between heaven and earth. And as I meditate on God's use of dreams and on this blessing, on this interaction between man and heaven, it's fascinating. Is this not man's posture between heaven and earth, between dirt, the ground with which God made us, and his breath? We're stretched between these places. And our testimony and our blessing is to be able to bring the gospel into our very lives, to embody it, to become a part of it. Flesh is great. (laughs) Flesh is a battlefield, though. There is different spirits that will compete for your life, for your very person. And the Holy Spirit is above this. It's above the waters. It's always hovering above the waters since Genesis, since the very beginning. It's everywhere. It's always. And we can surrender to the Holy Spirit. Now, here's where this starts getting really interesting is that Upon completing this drawing at around 11 o'clock at night, it took me a while, I pick up my Bible and I randomly swipe across, you don't turn pages in Bibles anymore, you, you swipe Bibles, I swiped my way across to Isaiah 8. And in my tired state and in my concentration, this did not feel particularly divinely appointed, Nevertheless, what I found, it, it shook me in its ordination. The exact same mix of imagery that was in my drawing, I found within this scripture. Just randomly. I just randomly pick up the Bible, turn to a passage, the exact same mix. And as I was doing the drawing, I'll tell you this as well. As I was doing this drawing, I was like, I think I even had a discussion with Shree about it. I was like, oh, I've got this wave, and I've got this water, and then and then like I'm going to put some feathers in there. And she's like, Feathers? She's like, what's that? Anyway, let me read the passage. Maybe that'll help you see. So Isaiah 8 8 says, Enemy soldiers will cover Judah like a flood, reaching up to your neck. But God is with us. Some verses say, Emmanuel, God is with us. He will spread his wings and protect our land. It's Isaiah 8 8. Today's sermon's titled titled Title. I'm going to pray for us again, and then we're going to get stuck into some of the deeper issues. Lord, we just thank you, Lord, for the giftings you've given us, Father. We thank you for the dreams you've given your people, Father. We thank you, Lord, that you're so present with us and in relationship with us, Father, that we can just pick up your word, Lord, or think of you, Father, and you're right there. You're right there with us, God. Be here with us right now, we pray, Lord. Speak to our hearts, Father. Reveal your closeness, Father. Amen. Okay, we're going to begin now getting stuck into the Word, and we're going to rewind back a couple of verses to Isaiah um, chapter 8, verse 6 and 7. I'm going to read it out. Because this people has rejected the gently flowing waters of Shiloah, and it rejoices over Rezin and the son of Ramalia, they're two people, Therefore, the Lord is about to bring against them the mighty floodwaters of the Euphrates. Now, anyone that's ever read the Bible before knows that you, you go about one, ver- one sentence in, and then you've got to unpack things for hours <laughs> and a lot of research. There's a lot of names in this. There's a lot to unpack here. I'm going to be unpacking a little bit of it. I'm going to start with the waters of um, Shiloah. Shiloah is the heart of the promised land. It's at the foot of Mount Zion. It is the only spring in Jerusalem. It is the lifeblood of Jerusalem. Jerusalem's existence and continuation, it depended on this spring. You cannot start a civilization, you cannot have a community, unless you've got water, correct? (laughs) This is one of those essential ingredients to life. You need water to survive. You need to have access to water. The site for Jerusalem was based around this spring, Shaloha. And it was especially important during times of siege. The water of this spring, it flowed from the eastern Gaihan Valley, and it flowed through a cleft in the rock. The Shiloh fount is fed directly from reservoirs under the temple area, and surrounding it grew a garden. It was the, this was the site. The Shiloh spring was the site of David's coronation. And lastly, if you're feeling thirsty, the water is described as sweet, slightly salty. So there you go. Now you know everything that there is to know about this place. Now, pop quiz. Who is the spring of Sharloa? Jesus. It's it's a question of who. Let's let Jerusalem's water just preach to us for a moment. I'm going to just let the Word preach to it. Let these, what God built into nature and into this city, preach to us. So, the river in Gihon has another name that it's traditionally referred to. It's referred to as the virgin's fount. Gaihon meaning, Gaihon, the word meaning bursting, gushing forth. What is being prophesied in these traditions and names, all of which predate Jesus himself, is that life, this life-sustaining river was going to come forth from the Virgin. It's amazing. This is amazing stuff. This is prophetic. This is proof, prophetic proof of the Bible and God's sovereignty in these things. Life bursts forth from a virgin. How can that be? This life draws from a deep reservoir beneath the foundation of the temple. That's the deep reservoir, heaven, God himself, life The miracle of coming through a virgin, how is that possible? God himself, heaven himself. Side note, that's also reminiscent of the trickle that comes from the east threshold of the temple mentioned in Ezekiel 47. These are all reoccurring patterns that you'll find in your word. The water runs through the rock in order to get into the city. And that, to me, is such a powerful imagery of the miracle that God did in Exodus, emancipating his people from the slavery of the world, sustaining them through a place that is unable to sustain life, a desert. It got to the point where the million people who were surviving in this desert of all places, imagine walking out into the desert, middle of nowhere and seeing a million people. God sustained them where it was impossible to sustain life. And he, he at one point, he actually, you might remember this from Exodus 17, he actually brought water out of the rock. And here in, in the Holy City of Jerusalem, we're given the same image again as a present reminder. This water is God's grace. This water is the softening of hard-heartedness. Remember back to Exodus, Pharaoh's heart was hardened. Pharaoh's heart was hardened. God can, If God can soften a rock to let water through, how much hope have we got for ourselves? How much hope have we got for the lost? He can bring water out of a rock. You could meditate on that one concept and know the heart of God. This deep, amazing stuff, and it's all It's all here. So back to Shiloh. Shiloh is the upper pool. Shiloh means sent, let go, just as Jesus was sent from heaven through a virgin. Lastly, the lower pool is known as the red pool. So bringing all of this information together, just this water source for Jerusalem, we can conclude that the child of the virgin that's sent from heaven will be sacrificed for us just from the water. You know, the Bible said that even the rocks and the trees and all of the hills will sing his praises. Is this not amazing? Is this not amazing? I'm really excited about this stuff. I want the church to sing as loud as these rocks and water. Now, here's the tragedy. It's all in the passage. Back to Isaiah eight six to seven. Here's the tragedy that the people rejected Shiloh. Mankind rejects Jesus. Now back to the verse. Is it up? Great. Why? Why does Why does mankind reject Jesus? Because he's gentle. Because he's gentle. I know a lot of men in this church have very soft hearts. And I can tell you, in Australia, where there's this kind of macho man vibe happening, most of us probably know what it feels like to be despised for our gentleness. I just thank God that our measurement of such things is Jesus, the truest of gentlemen. You know, I want to tell you today, I want you to hear this, that gentleness and weakness are not the same thing. I think that I would, the gentleness of Jesus is this controlled strength? The God that created the universe, when he, he He encounters you and He says, "I won't be the first one to cast the stone." It, he sees us in our worst sin, and says such a thing. He that is so holy that even to look at us would offend His holiness let alone want to be in relationship with us, but he won't cast the stone because he's desperate for you. He loves you. He's so gentle. (laughs) I define it: gentleness as restrained strength, strength tempered with grace and mercy. It's so... When you see that, when you see that in reality, when you see someone live that way, when you see someone do that, it is beautiful. It's the most beautiful thing. It is the highest quality of human living when people live like this. Wherever such a river would flow, fertility, freshness, and beauty, it springs to life. That's the, what follows the footsteps of Jesus, where that river flows. This is the the kingdom. When we talk about the kingdom of heaven, this is the kingdom that we are summoned to enter. It exercises no compulsion but that of love. It yields its strength and it wields gentleness. Gentleness can be wielded. It's so disarming. Gentleness will give you access. It goes straight to the heart. When Jesus came... He didn't come marching on Parliament House. He didn't come condemning Roman oppressors. The thing that, one of the verses in the Bible that hits me hardest is what Jesus said from the cross as we crucified him. Do you remember what he said? He said, said, Father, forgive them as we crucified him kind of a man is this? Father, forgive them. They they don't know what they're doing, Lord. Teach them what to do, God. How? I don't know anybody. I've never met a man who can lay claim to being able to do that. That is divine. That is the man I want to be. Church, is this not our king? Is this not the man we follow? Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. This is my King Jesus. This is the man I follow. That's who I want to be. That's the Jesus I want to be. Meek and mild, humble and lowly, riding on a donkey. If that's your King, if that's your King, then my challenge to you is how are you cultivating Jesus' gentleness in your life? Are you known as gentle? If you went to your friends, and would that be how they describe you? They say, that's a a gentleman. That's a gentle person. They've got gentleness. They're always gentle with me. Always kind. Are we drinking from the spring of Jesus? That's the question. Now, when the prophecy of Shiloh was fulfilled, I'm talking about the spring of Shiloh, this place, this source of life that is a metaphor for Jesus. When that prophecy was fulfilled, Jesus was born into this world through a virgin, as the waters already preached to us. Jesus actually used this pool in one of his miracles to demonstrate a point. John 9. Jesus uses this pool to heal a blind man. but not just to heal a blind man, to, uh, to unravel, unfold, to challenge and free this deeper issue of spiritual blindness. We're unable to see this spring of Shiloah for what it is because it's gentle and we despise its gentleness. We're unable to see it. Our, our vision needs healing. We need to see Jesus for who he truly is so we can value that, so that we can want to be that, so that we can be good followers of Jesus. That's why we're here, to follow Jesus. In just a moment, I'm going to be giving an opportunity for those that want to see Jesus, get to know Jesus, start a relationship with Jesus, or to have their vision restored. We're going to open up the prayer line today. The blind man was healed. And then after the miracle the pharisees the religious people of that day those oppressed with the spirit of religion they asked this question they said what are we blind too and and jesus said if you were blind you would not be guilty of sin but now that you claim you can see your guilt remains I'll say this, I'm preaching on gentleness, so I've got to be gentle, right? (laughs) I'll say this though, I'm often surprised at how many people in the church think that they can see so clearly. Would you rather acknowledge your lack of sight, acknowledge your blindness, and in doing so, have opportunity to receive the healing? Humble yourself to receive the healing. Or do you want to stumble around in your pride forever? I can see I'm all good, Jesus. I don't need your help. I don't like that fount. I've got bigger waters. Not quite right. I'd prefer to admit right now I'm blind if it meant Jesus was going to heal me. I'll admit it, I don't care. I'll humble myself before anyone, I don't care. I just want to be closer to Jesus. He said, I came for the sick. If I don't acknowledge my sickness, then He didn't come for me. Jesus came to save us. So if He came for the sick, then we're amongst that. I need healing, people. I'll say whatever, Whatever Jesus needs me to, I'll humble myself as low as need be if it means I get to be close to Him. I'm just going to skip the other stuff because I think we've already got there where we need to be. Isaiah 8 describes this wave, a wave that's coming to God's city, to God's people, swirling over the land, it says, rising up over their heads. It says the way it describes it is like the whole land is covered in water and it's up to the neck. You know, in those Hollywood movies, like, Like when they're trying to escape the flooding chamber and, you know, it's coming higher and higher and it gets up to the neck and you're like, they're done for. The thing that's so crazy and that the theologians are baffled about here is this mix of imagery. That one second Isaiah is talking about this flood and then the next second is talking about these wings. He's saying Emmanuel. He's saying God is with us. Because what I'm telling you right now, a lot of people right now feel like they're taking on water. A lot of people right now are struggling. They feel like they're sinking. They feel like they're barely keeping their heads up. But the very moment in this, The sudden twist of metaphors, the very moment it says enemy soldiers covering Judah like a flood, oppression coming upon us, all the way up to our neck, can't even stay up, can't even keep my marriage together, can't even keep my job together, can barely contain my own self and what I'm struggling with. And yet in that moment, God twists it straight away. He says Emmanuel declares that name. He declares Jesus' name. The hope of Jesus. He says, Emmanuel, when the storm is there, when the waters are trying to come in and drown us, you know, it's hard not to just see the water. God's speaking into your moment. And he's saying, Emmanuel, God is with you. Jesus is with you. Jesus loves you. Jesus is a man. He was a person. It's here right now that spring that spring is not just in Jerusalem that spring is in this place right now the gathering of believers it's available right now you know a part of me was like oh i'd love to go to that spring <laughs> i'd love to see jesus <laughs> you know it might jump in the water you know lap it up you know but it's that's here That is here, in the Spirit. Jesus is here. We've got to take Him in. We've got to take Him up. Immerse ourselves in Him. Think on Him. Give Him your heart. It's, you know, I don't want to make it overly complicated. It's as simple as when you think about Jesus, you know, Jesus honors that, He's so gracious. He's so personal. If you think of him, if you speak with him, he honors that and he'll build relationship with you. He'll be present with you. It's not complicated. It's not, I'm not gonna give you five dot points about how you can fix your whole life. I'm just gonna say, go to the spring and start drinking. (laughs) Restore your vision of who Jesus really is. He is gentle. He's waiting right there for you. He's got all the sustenance you need. You can build a life around Jesus. It's not just, our oh, church on Sundays and the rest. You can build your whole life around this spring. There is enough to sustain you. You know, speaking on that note, you know, we the church, we need to be careful not to scoff at that spring, not to think the church just isn't enough for me. It is enough to sustain God's people. You can build a life around Jesus if you'll just see Him. I've gone over, sorry. So, I believe that there's two anointings on today's service. One, I believe, is if you've never met the gentleman Jesus, if you've never met the gentleman Jesus, that there is an opportunity today for you to see him for who he is, to call him what he is in your life, to build your life around him, to follow him. I'll get you to stand to your feet. Where you are, if you can just close your eyes, bow your heads. This is just between you and God now. I don't know where you're at. I can't know. Only Jesus sees your heart. If you're hearing about Jesus today and you are stirred and you're saying, Lord, I just want to restore my relationship with you. I want to enter in. I want to know this Jesus fella want to build my life around Him. If that's you, chuck your hand up. Yep. The other anointing that I believe that is here here today is from the stories that we were led to about healed vision, spiritual, physical. Whether you've had problems with your eyes, whether you've had problems with your relationship with the church, your relationship with heaven, your relationship with God, There's healing in this place. There's healing in that spring. It's available today. (laughs) We've got to humble ourselves, church. I love the miracle of healing, and I didn't say this, is that Jesus actually spat in the dirt and he rubbed it in the blind man's eye. You know, you know, being blind, he might have been offended that the spit was in his eye. But I can tell you, the moment he could see, I bet you any money. In fact, I'm telling you that he was not offended. <laughs> that when you receive what Jesus has for you, the goodness he has for you, you won't be offended anymore. It says that, It says that the blind man then saw Jesus. It says he believed Jesus. It says he worshipped Jesus. Now, if you would like your spiritual or physical vision restored, no questions asked. No one's going to know why you're coming up, but you can come up the front. Come on.